You're listening to the FUVFC Podcast on WFUVSports.org. That's right, another episode of FUVFC. A little short-staffed today, Jackson Heil, joined by Luke Fiore. Don't have Christian like we usually do, Rich Bailed, per usual on us, which is, that's becoming a regular, unfortunately. But and no Evan either today. No Evan today. Yeah, he's been a regular too. Uh, how could I forget about our that lovely producer, Evan? We but, won't get to talk about... West Ham versus Man City next week. <sighs> Disappointing. Big Disappointing. matchup. Anyways, a lot went down this past week. I haven't been on the podcast in two weeks, so I'm excited to get back and excited to talk after Manchester United finally went to Stamford Bridge 2 nothing in the mm. FA Cup. Not that I care too much about the domestic cup, even with the FA Cup, but always good to be Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and watching all the fans turn on Maurizio Sarri. <laughs> Tremendous. Tremendous. It, it's almost as if they were like the Man U fans turning on Mourinho at the beginning of the season. I, I would I would even disagree with that. I don't even think you can say that Manchester United fans really turned. They definitely turned on him, like on social media and externally, but I've never seen the type of booing of a manager like I've ever in my life, like I saw at the, in an FA Cup game, yeah. for that matter. I, it's just insane because Chelsea were so good at the beginning of the year. It was Chelsea, City, and Liverpool were like level on points. Chelsea had the longest domestic unbeaten streak, and then they just were broken. I, I, I can't even, I can't remember what game it was, but someone just figured them out, and every manager since has yep. been able to figure them out. It's amazing because, like, I've seen bad games in over the last year and a half as a Manchester United fan, mm-hmm. and I've like I mean really really bad games. <laughs> that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen for a team that's down two nothing. I mean they are lifeless in the attack. They they have nothing attacking. I mean Jorginho holds the ball so long and doesn't do anything with it. It's really remarkable how much how many touches he gets on the ball during a game, and he literally doesn't do a thing with it. I mean the, they're only even threatening player that's even like even remotely like provides some dangerous hazard and I mean he's great but like you put five guys on him there no one else can do anything it's a real problem and I I don't even think it's as much talent because Williams clearly talented even though he came off the bench he has the talent yeah he struggled this year but that dude's so talented we know what Higuain can do as a number nine Mm -hmm. they are just a disaster I mean and they have N'Golo Conte, who is one of yep. the best players in the world, not just the Premier League. And he's playing like a too high in the midfield or something. Like he's never in the right position. And, to get and to that's your on point, sorry. Yeah, on Jorginho too. There are a lot of statistics on he's how many passes. He leads like the Premier League in passes. But the effectiveness of those passes are just they're very they're short passes. They don't progress play down the field. They're never like a long ball over the top to Iguain or um, Hazard, so they're not really effective passes. They're just time wasting passes. So if Chelsea's up like four nothing, three nothing against a team, and they need Jorginho to pass the ball around, keep possession, yeah, that's great. But if they're actually trying to attack <laughs> and score goals, Jorginho is just not the guy you want to base your offense around, and that's the downfall of Sarri Ball. It's also remarkable how like they try to put Conte in an attacking position for no yeah. reason after he was arguably the best midfielder in the world last year. 
in he's, just playing that stopper role almost. Yeah, he's and, he could play box to box, but you want him more in that central defensive. Oh, role. for sure. And like, I mean, he can make runs as a center defensive mm-hmm. midfielder too. But I he's mean, got the pace. Like oh, he's deceptively fast for his size. But. I would love to have John on this podcast, and I've said that a lot the last few weeks mm-hmm. when I've been on, just because Chelsea have been oh they've been tanking so badly, it's and it, it's awesome. It's it's a shame to. Maybe they're looking to Mourinho as their next manager. <laughs> it seems to work every every time around. I'll pose this question for you. You're starting a team tomorrow from scratch. Would you rather start it with Mourinho or sorry? Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, if I'm starting completely from scratch, Mourinho. Because I think Mourinho can bring in... He's got the clout to bring in players. And if I want to win a championship in the short term, he'll bring but in a bunch of... But does he have the clout to bring in... Those type of players? Honestly, even... No as, one wants to play for him anymore. Even as bad as he was at Man U, you still had guys, even at the end, former players who would who said they would they don't know what's going on at Man U, they've played for Mourinho. But, I mean, he's still, like, guys like... I think even Zlatan was like, I played under Mourinho, I, I respect him, I think he's a great manager, I don't know what's going on. Like, Mourinho, he, he won a Champions League with um, Inter Milan, yes. I believe. He won the, the league Did with, he win it with Porto, too? Maybe. He might have gone I to a, a final. I don't I know. I have to look it up, but, he, but he's won some big... He's, yeah. he's a very successful manager. I think that it's... I think Mourinho's strategy is he gets a lot of expensive players who are older. They have a lot of experience. And he kind of shuns the young core, as you saw at Man U. Rashford, Martial, Lingard. I mean, Lingard was playing, but... Those guys weren't playing as much, and he kept bringing in guys like Zlatan, Lukaku, uh, Alexis Sanchez, Sanchez, yeah, to come in and play. They come in and play up top. And, I mean, yeah, it's good for a couple years, but then the guys, they're already at that point where they're starting to age, and then it just kind of downfalls, and then the young guys are progressing, but they should be progressing more, but... Mourinho is not necessarily the guy to develop talent, whereas he can assemble talent and make a team of talented old players play well. That, that's a good I way think. to put it. That's a good way to put it. I, I would probably also start with Mourinho just because of the credentials. And, and sorry, he can't it. adapt. If he doesn't have Jorginho, yeah. wh- what, what game is he playing? Is, I have I, no clue. I, I will say this. I mean, with Napoli, he was able to... I mean, they were They were talented, but yeah. he was able to consistently have them as a top three finisher in the in Serie A, which isn't that hard to do, I guess. But, I mean, the track record is there for him. It is tough, though, to to put him against Mourinho, though, just because, I mean, they're both horrible, in, in my opinion. They both yeah. don't belong coaching top-flight teams. But that's the way the world is. But And the funny thing is, United beat Chelsea 2-0 in the FA Cup this week. Sorry is booed to no end, and that's not even the worst thing that happened to Chelsea this week. I mean... Yeah. Two-window transfer ban for them. I mean, could not come at a worse time, Luke. You cannot draw up a worse situation for Chelsea right now because you have Hazard who's got like, I I even argue he's got two feet out the door at this point. You have a manager who no one likes. The fans are in disgust. And not only this, even if you want to bring in a new manager, he's not even going to be able to spend a dime for the first year. Yes, he'll be able to keep Christian Pulisic, which... Is huge. I mean, imagine this happened before they, they were able to get him locked mm-hmm. up for next year. Yeah. But but now they can't even... Iguain's on loan right now, so I don't think they, they can't can even... They can't even buy him. That, that's a great point. the second window. I wonder if that's even... 
That's interesting because if they made that deal beforehand where it's an option to buy, I wonder if they would be able to I, f- I feel like they'd be able to argue with I'm I'm actually not sure if it's a deal with an option to buy or if it was a loan deal with the assumption that they would try and buy because uh-huh. I knew Chelsea was trying to negotiate prices or at least there were rumors about that mm-hmm. um since he uh Iguain came over to Chelsea so I don't even know if there is an option to buy or if it was just the assumption would be that if Chelsea liked what they saw, they could buy. Is Murata on loan at Atletico, or is, was that an f- official sale? I th- think I, that's I, an official sale. I thought he was loaned, but I, I could be wrong. But uh, point is, regardless. Yeah. Chelsea will have a lot to work out. They have the highest amount of players who are on loan. So even with this transfer ban, even if Hazard goes, which I think is very likely, um, they'll have a lot of money, but they always have a lot of money. It's Chelsea. So they go, they're going to have to find a manager who can focus on developing young talent and draw on the guys um, who are out on loan. Like, you shouldn't be playing guys like David Luiz, who we've criticized in are recent awful. weeks, <laughs> yeah, for being terrible. But at at his at his peak, he, he was a very he was a world class defender. By the way, uh, Murata was a loan to buy, so Atletico have a forty eight and a half million, I believe, euro. I, th- I think that's the euro sign, euro or pound, but they have a option to buy afterwards, regardless. Okay, so so the, it lies with the, his fate lies with Atletico anyway. And do you think they could manage to pull him off loan beforehand? That would probably be manipulating the rules of that I, sort of deal. But I mean, you are allowed to pull players back from loan, but with, when there's an option to buy, I don't I, know if that's the case. But yeah, there's so many rules in the transfer window with these loan and loan options. There's so much gray area. Yeah, that's a problem, especially when you have a situation like this. Where, by the way, the the ban comes from on be, something they did wrong with dealing with youth yeah. players under 18, which and, is which is ironic because. They don't seem to address it at all when they get these players under eighteen and yeah. they're academy type players. Well, but they just go buy the players and loan them out immediately to like the clubs they buy them from, pretty much. Probably had something to do with that, to be completely honest. It, but it could be. I know that they, the UEFA and FIFA, have been looking into limiting the amount of uh, loans you can have for this reason, because teams, big teams like Chelsea, go out and buy these young players from their teams in their native countries and loan them right back to those teams. Mm-hmm. To It's not like they're developing them at Chelsea's academies. They're being loaned back to the teams that they're playing on. They just want that value whenever they mature at that point. And it keeps the... It, it, the, the smaller teams have to capitalize on the players when they can, So, but they're running the risk of not capitalizing on them when they're matured and most valuable Mm -hmm. which is detrimental to the small teams and just creates a wealth and equity and to the players development too i think you could argue yeah there's a good argument to be made there um but chelsea they've got options they're gonna this new coach is gonna have pulisic he'll have callum hudson odoi he'll have keppa he'll have conte assuming these guys all stay around um well here's what i'll say about the manager managerial situation, does this give Sorry a lifeline? I think it might. Honestly, I think it does because in my situation, if I'm Abramovich, I'll, it, let me go in my his shoes for a second. Coming off that loss to United, when basically everyone in the organization and your fans have turned on you, I would have fired him right on the spot personally. Having the this thing in the back of his mind because he had to know it was coming. I, I would assume 
this has probably been in the works for a little while that they knew this band was going to come at some point and they were probably warned about it. I think it might give them a lifeline because regardless of talent to me, I think next year is already lost for Chelsea mm-hmm. with the situation if the band stands. They're, they are going to appeal, but honestly, I would give Sorry a chance to say, hey, ride out the rest of the year, see if they can find some sort of good form under because there is a reason they brought him here. I mean, you look at the domestics run they went on earlier in the year. It was tremendous. Mm-hmm. See if he can make an adjustment, figure it out, ride out the rest of the year, and then... If things don't work out, I honestly would keep him until the January window and just let him go after that. Unless you have plans on bringing in a smaller manager, like an Eddie Howe maybe, so to speak. Because I don't think you're going to get a big manager that wants this job with the type of band that's out there right now. I think it locks them into a hole where they either have to take a big risk on a young and upcoming manager like a Howe. Or even I think Southgate might be willing to take that job. Or you stick with Sorry take a risk, and kind of just hold things out and reassess next year when you have a full transfer window at your display. And it's just a really tough situation. I think they could go with one or two solutions. Um, Either they could ride it out with Sarri, and, I mean, let's be honest, Chelsea have made it clear that they want to fire him as soon as they are no longer in Champions League contention, but that is very hard because they're one of, like, Four teams maybe that have a, a really good shot at winning Europa They're League. One it's po- them, Arsenal, Napoli, and probably Inter Milan or Sevilla. And what are they, one point out right now of fourth place? Yeah. I know so, they're a disaster, but that's not a lot considering United so, and Arsenal's schedule down the stretch. If Sarri gets them into Champions League next year, honestly, I agree with you. I think next year you can't have the expectations of finishing top three, maybe even top four. Um with this transfer ban, especially assuming that Hazard leaves. So I think the right thing for Chelsea would do would be let Sarri ride this out, see if he could get them in the Champions League contention, and then hire a young manager who's focused on developing this young talent and really commit to these guys that they, they're they holding on to Callum Hudson-Odoi. They don't want him to go to Bayern. They just brought in Pulisic. Really commit to this youth movement. And they have so many guys that are out on loan and in their academy. Mm-hmm. They are a very talented club. And honestly this might be a blessing while it might take a year for all these guys to mature it might be a blessing going forward and have them kind of reset like in american sports almost like a rebuild but i was just going to say but, that. It, it's almost like a year of or a half a year of rebuild but on, it's like to make a comparison to baseball what the yankees did at the end of yep. 2016 they just they got rid of chapman uh beltron and andrew miller and got back an insane amount mm-hmm. in trade chips and went out and re-signed Chapman, and they became one of the best teams in baseball in 2017. It's like a quick rebuild, I think, for Chelsea. One of the things I'm also wondering here, because this puts Chelsea in an even tougher spot if they want to sell Hazard, which I don't know if they do. I, I can't get a read on what Chelsea wants to do with him. I, I think he's gone regardless whether it's at this window or in, if they wait a year until they can actually use the money when they sell him to bring players back. I think he's gone, but I mean... Man, it's tough to me as an owner of Chelsea being in Abramovich's situation to sell Hazard knowing the situation you have. You can't buy anyone. You obviously have Pulisic coming in, but you're talking about far and away your best player, your Mm -hmm. most lethal attacking player, 
and bringing no one in return for next year. That, that, that would, that's a situation that would scare me if I'm Chelsea fans. Obviously, they have a ton of guys on loan where they can bring, bring in, almost do like a plug-and-play, and then like, treat it like a rebuild type of situation like you were saying. I honestly, with the Higuain situation we discussed, I'd bring Batshuayi back in the summer and make give him the full, up until that's... the January window, <laughs> just give him the season to prove Honestly, if he could be the top striker there. but I, I don't understand why Batshuayi keeps being loaned out when Chelsea has a need for striker. And he's proven, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have, up until now, with the Crystal Palace loan, he hasn't had a loan in the Premier League. But he's done well on his loan in uh, at Dortmund. He did well towards the beginning of his loan to Valencia. I know he tapered off towards the end. But if Chelsea is so struck for strikers right now, they instead of getting Iguain. And especially now, with if they're unable to get another striker, Batshuayi should they should give him a chance. He's young, he's pacey, and he's he's exciting when he plays. And that's something Chelsea fans need to get around. And it's hard to really blame Batshuayi all that much because when you're like when you're doing this like Chelsea has done it, Batshuayi has been put in a stable situation once. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, he's been loaned all over the place since Chelsea signed him, and just just give him a chance. I mean, you're at a point where, I mean, you're talking Gonzalo Higuain's your really only attacking option if you sell Hazard. I'm not sure if they're going to sell him personally. I don't think you can afford to sell him next year if you want any chance of even competing for the top four. But at the same time, it'll open up some options where Chelsea can be like, hey, let's put this year on the back burner. Let's see what we have in these young guys and if you do sell Hazard, then you have so much money next summer to go out and spend. What they spend it on mm-hmm. is going to be interesting because they have so many spots that they need to fill at this point. Yeah, and, and especially it a lot will depend on the manager they add. But mm-hmm. they need, I would argue, two center backs. You can argue an outside back as well, probably a right back. As as Piliquet has been fine, I but, think as Piliquet needs uh, to get moved back to center back. Yeah, but but honestly, that point could is be they a, have a lot of options. That could be a drawing point for. A, a new manager, manager mm-hmm. be like, we just sold Hazard. We have two hundred million pounds. Go and spend it however you want. Do you think a, a new manager, like a top flight manager, let's say, uh, I'm not exactly sure who it's going to be because Chelsea they are could be they Zidane. seem clueless when they go. It could be Zidane. There was interest there from him apparently. I mean, if you're in his shoes, are you buying that? Chelsea are going to put all their money out on the table next summer and take the... So if Zidane's offered the job this summer, are you taking it if you're in his situation? I don't know. I uh, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I could. I mean, if you're him and you have that pedigree, you've managed two and a half seasons, you've mm-hmm. won three Champions Leagues. I mean, he's had whatever. some trouble in the league, though, too. I mean... I mean, I... I I think Zidane has the pedigree, and especially with... He does, for sure. I'm not taking that away he from could that. say, you know what? I'm going to hold off a year... If you want me, I'll be here next summer when you have the money to spend. Because I don't think he's necessarily the best manager for developing talent. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pretty much given a Champions League-ready team for when he managed Real Madrid, and he had Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo. He was smart enough to get out of that when he knew that Ronaldo was leaving. So I think that Zidane's not going to do anything to damage his coaching reputation, like taking on such a project with... No Eden Hazard on Chelsea and just young guys. So I think he'd wait a year, probably. Let's shift off Chelsea. We've talked a lot about them on this podcast. There were some interesting results in the round of 16 opening legs this week. First of which we'll talk about 
is we're gonna I'll talk about Liverpool Bayern first because that, that was it was an interesting game. I yeah. mean, it was a, as back exciting and forth. As you yeah, think you're not gonna get a draw. That's that draw. exciting. Exactly. I knew exactly what you were getting to, but I think surprisingly, Andrew Robertson and Allison Becker did not have good games, and those are guys who usually do. Um, but on on the flip side, as critical as I have been on Matip and Fabinho at center back. Fabinho was mm-hmm. phenomenal, and Watsip, aside from that kind of mess up at the beginning when Allison kicked the ball to him, um, Matip had a great game too. Mm-hmm. Mane also not not a good game. He had a lot of missed opportunities, but I mean it'll be exciting. Liverpool will advance with a tie or uh, or a win, so all they need to do is go to Bayern and not lose. Really, they advance with well, a tie. Uh, I mean, uh, a nil. I mean, uh, a one-one. One-one draw. Okay, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it. W- not, if not it's zero-zero, we go to extra time. But assuming, assuming that a goal is scored at yes. all in this. Yeah. Here's what I'll say about the performance. I mean, they gave themselves a chance. I mean, Bayern's really good. They're, they're high quality, yeah. obviously. But their their defense, uh, at both defenses, even played yeah. really well. The good thing about Liverpool is they have the counterattack to. Mm-hmm beat teams on the road for sure I mean when you have guys well, like Mane Firmino Salah what's concerning though is Liverpool is 0-3 in Champions League away fixtures which is exactly what I was about to get yeah. to I mean it's great because they have the talent to do so I mean but we'll see two of those one was a one nothing defeat to Napoli and they scored in stoppage time and Napoli is a very good team in their own right and another one was a 2-1 defeat to PSG mm-hmm. which is another tough team and then the third one Red Star Belgrade we, we'll just forget about <laughs> I mean, they were playing. They were playing like Lalana and the team. You it, it was pretty much like the team they played in the uh, FA Cup against Wolverhampton. Uh, it was just a train wreck. But you know what? We'll, we'll forget about that. But honestly, it is concerning their away form in the Champions League. So, I never thought I'd say a three-two win for City against Schalke would be an impressive result. But yeah. I was very impressed with what City were able to do well, down it's, Otamendi I, in the second half. Honestly, I wasn't. I, I just think that's so City. Um, it is. They'll, they'll just give you a little bit of hope, and then they'll take it right away. But the thing about City is going down to 10 men on away from home and being able to score two goals late like they did, mm-hmm. that's, that's so impressive to me. And there's very few teams that can do it in the fashion that City did because not only are they clinical, but... They they hold the ball so well, and they're able to develop such high-quality chances to me. When you have 10 guys, I mean, a lot of your production is going to be in the counterattack, let's be mm-hmm. honest here, when you're down a man. But the fact that City are able to still hold a ton of possession with 10 guys, yeah. and not only hold possession, but be able to find holes and gaps and runs where they're able to create such high-quality chance. And the Sané free kick was incredible. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was glorious. But the fact that Ch- that City were able to do that, it, it's very impressive and just continues to prove how Guardiola is the best in the world. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not impressed. I, it, when, I, when I saw that City was down to 10 men and down 2-1, my reaction was, oh, they're probably going to win anyway. <laughs> um, and, of course, they did win. I, I, I don't think it's that impressive coming into this. This Man City-Shalk fixture was probably... What everyone thought would be the least competitive, yeah, least uh, absolutely. exciting fixture. Absolutely, um, it was interesting. City made some really weird decisions to give up two uh, two penalty kicks, and not only two penalty kicks, two penalty kicks that were made penalty kicks by VAR. Yeah, which is interesting. VAR had a big impact this week. It really did. And 
one of the other games that oh at that's a at Atletico Juve game. That's really yep. that was exactly where I was going. I I mean Morata's goal. I was I was <laughs> I was pretty happy about because just to contrast what's going on at Chelsea, he leaves Chelsea. He scores a big goal in Champions League, but of course VAR disallows it. But <laughs> Atletico still went on to win 2 nothing, which is impressive. Uh, they were home, but honestly, they looked the better side the entire game. They did. They really entire, did. They completely dominated that game. And Thomas Lamar, even when he came on, he did not have a good game. And I think he would be. he's going to be very valuable in the second leg because he's such an exciting player. But uh, Atletico played... I mean, Oblak and he's Godin aw- Oblak. are just... Oh, Oblak. The yesterday's game so really opened my eyes to how good Oblak is because mm-hmm. I, I know when we were doing the ESPN FC top ten when they were grading each position, I think he was ranked second in the world, which is fair. I I, I thought that he was a little high at the time, but that you can write me off on that take because yeah, no, he was tremendous. Is... I mean, he made a save late in the game. I I forget who it was. Who's that lefty on Juventus? Oh, midfielder. It was off a free kick. Ronaldo played on the floor to him and. Is a curling ball in the box that he was going away from had to reach his hands back and knock it oh, out. Yeah. Regardless, it do, it doesn't matter. But the point is, Oblak's really impressive. Atletico really impressive in general. I mean, that's you got to remember. This is a team in Juventus who haven't lost domestically all year. Yeah, and honestly, Juventus's defense just looks like they not, looked slow, it, really slow. Yeah. And I mean, Chesney played a he played a good game. His mm-hmm. defense let him down on a, on a bunch of occasions. Um. But what was really interesting was the selection of Bentacor. Yeah, th- and they, I, I don't, I don't know about the injury status of Douglas Costa and Quadrado, but both of them were left out of the squad, and they could have been of, of decent help, I think, towards the end of the game with an injection of that pace and counterattacking just to relieve some of the pressure from the Juventus defense, who was so tired. And that's the thing to me, Atletico, even when they went up, they they put pace on the field. They they didn't they didn't add an extra defender until the very end, but they added pace on the field to keep that attack on Juventus because mm-hmm. they they it, to me it looked like they couldn't withstand it yeah. at all during the entire game and they stuck with their strengths and that's why I love Diego Simeone. I I still can't pronounce his name, but I call him I, Diego Simeone. That, I mean that's how I call him, but he's awesome. And it was just such an interesting formation that Atletico was playing because. Um, Griezmann was dropping back for large portions of the game. And he, he was, was playing more on the wing. It was really interesting what Simeone was doing. Um, I, I just, hats off to him, especially because a team with the experience of Ronaldo. And, I mean, Juventus is a team who's been in the Champions League final. They're probably the best team, not Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And then they add Ronaldo to that. Man, it'd be awesome if Juventus didn't go through. Yeah. I would love if they didn't go through. It, especially after adding Ronaldo in yeah. the, in the summer and just the way everything went down. They don't lose a game in league. They still haven't lost a game in Serie A yet. And then they spoil out in the Champions League against Atletico. There was one other game this week. It was Lyon, uh, Barcelona. Eh, I mean, it was 0-0. It, it's your classic first leg dud from Barcelona yeah. on the road. And They'll be fine. I don't think anyone's really worried about them going through, but they'll have the second leg back in Barcelona, which I'm not too worried about. Let's shift to this upcoming week. Mm. Two big games. Sunday is the big one. United-Liverpool. United have been the best team in the league since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer takes over Liverpool. 
at the top. What are they? They're tied with City for yeah. first, but they have a game in hand. And this so is the game in this hand. This is the game in hand, and this is the big one. So, yeah, Luke, Liverpool will win at Old Trafford if what happens? Um, I, I just think if they play, I, I'm pretty confident going into this game, It Mane needs to show up, not what he was doing mm-hmm. at Bayern. It would be helpful if Salah had more shots on goal. He hasn't been getting a lot of shots on goal recently. He's been playing a little bit in a deeper role. Um, it seems like they want to get him the ball going upfield early. Like, like it's kind of like you mentioned. Like they, they want to get him in spots where he can carry the ball with pace. It's not a little different to last year, and where he was put in a lot of spots him. to finish. Yeah, yeah. But now it seems like Klopp is trying to put him in a spot where he can be more of a playmaker, so yeah. to speak. Uh, on, that's I think Klopp is taking a little page out of Barcelona's book with what they've done with Messi. Yeah. He started on the wing, moved into a central forward position, and now he's kind of back on the wing in a deeper position doing more creative work. It's weird because Messi's almost in like I don't even I can't even call him a winger because he plays so much in the middle of the field. Yeah. It's almost like he's a cam that like he floats around a lot. It's just similar yeah. to what Sal has done because they're playing him on the wing, but he's getting put in situations where He's driving play so much, and I, I honestly like it because mm-hmm. get the ball to your best player at all causes and let him go to work, and you have other guys like Mane who can flourish in space and Firmino and plenty of other talent there. I actually like the move from Klopp. I mean, we'll see how it pays off. You Obviously, with United, you can't get caught too upfield yeah. with those I'm, type of players, but the it's good be interesting. thing is, I think the good thing about this is I don't know what Klopp's going to do on defense, if he's going to put Van Dyke and Matip or maybe just stick with Fabinho on defense because Liverpool's midfield during the Bayern game looked really good. Except for Naby Keita, obviously, around like the 70th minute or so, started getting really lethargic, not connecting on his passes. He's obviously not fit for a full 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. But that first half, Naby Keita looked like the guy that he was supposed to be when Liverpool brought him in. Wijnaldum and even Henderson, who I'm not the biggest fan of, both had great games. Um, I think if Klopp decides to shift Fabinho into the midfield, that could be a good idea, but I, I'd rather have Fabinho at center back at this point. Big storyline for United, whether Martial and Lingard will both play. Both went down against PSG, which I wasn't on the podcast after the PSG game. I had some gripes with the officiating, but the game was really lost when those two went down mm-hmm. just because they had no ca- counterattacking presence. And to have to bring on your two subs at halftime, it just yeah. rattles offici- everything. officiating on that game was ridiculous. Pathetic. Pathetic. Don't even I get mean, me started. Well, Ashley Young, United should have, Ashley Young should have gotten a red card, to be honest. He should have. But, but Pogba, no. I mean, he probably should have. Young probably got... There was a guy in Juventus. I can't even pronounce his name. He scored the first goal for them, but... He should have been on a red card as well in the first half, which would have changed the entire game. Honestly, but, I think the officiating for last week's Champions games, Champions League games were pretty poor, and this uh-huh, week I thought much were better. very, very good officiating. And good, good for them, too, being able to go to despite, too. Despite the Morata no goal. I thought that it was, happens. It, was it a- happens. But obviously that's a big storyline. It'll be interesting to see how United line up if they don't have them because, listen, do you want to put Sanchez back in the starting lineup? I, I personally wouldn't just because I can't deal with him right is now. Lukaku His... gonna are they gonna go with yeah. four four two Lukaku and Rashford? <sighs> but on I think they said Martial is fit, but I Lingard really is, is a maybe. I really hope he is, but personally I'd probably I'd probably put Mata in I don't know where I don't know where I'd put I want Mata in the starting eleven if both of them can't go. 
I mean, even actually, even if one of them can't go, I'd probably just put Martial and Lingard. Lingard. I'd put Mata in Lingard's spot, excuse me, and just put Martial up top with Rashford and kind of go with what you've been doing. But even, or you could switch it up where you put Lukaku up top instead of Mata, kind of slide Martial back into mm-hmm. the wing role. But I like having that pace up top. But it'll be interesting to see how they fare and if t- those two are healthy. Because honestly, that could that could det- determine the game right Definitely. there. Definitely. I mean, you saw what what was Manu's last league game? I forgot who it was, but Martial just dribbled downfield. He took like a hack to the leg from a defender and just kept running, mm-hmm. outrunning him, and just scored that. It was uh, incredible. Geez, who was it against? Oh, was it, I think it was like a worse team. I can't really. You know, look what? it up real quick. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm gonna lose my mind if if I don't. It was Fulham. Fulham, right? right. I. Yeah, I, I mean, it's that just goal was the, tremendous. The combination of strength and pace, and then the finish. Mm-hmm. I mean, Martial is just playing out of his mind with uh, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be such a surplus to uh, such a, such a benefit to Man U if they have him, especially and Lingard. And wrapping things up, midweek tie between Chelsea and Tottenham, which two Honest- teams trending in completely different directions. I mean. Tottenham, with the way they're able to perform without Kane and Deli Alley, and, and are probably back. getting Kane back for that one, and then Chelsea, who we obviously spent lengths of time on on this podcast, just in disaster form. I, I think I could easily see Tottenham running away with this. Yeah, that could be like a three nothing Tottenham victory. I mean, we already saw what City were able to do to Chelsea, which was we saw what Bournemouth something to were say able to, to do at to least Chelsea. exactly that too. But regardless, Chelsea are in disarray. I want to talk about Tottenham quickly before we wrap things up? I mean. So much credit to Pochettino for yeah. what he's able to do. I mean, even without the best striker in the league, arguably, arguably. and <laughs> one of the best attacking midfielders, I mean, what they're able to do and compensate for him is unbelievable. Youngman Son has been incredible. Mm-hmm. I know Christian would love to talk about him if he and was here. Honestly, what I, with Kane coming back in, I want to see what they're going to do with Son because yep. Son's been playing more of like a, a two-striker position. I um I would stick with it personally. They play Kane and Son at striker and drop Lucas or someone else back to a, a midfield position. I don't or know. Or even I wouldn't even mind dropping Son and kind of like that, slotting him just underneath Kane, like a center forward. I would, yeah, almost like a false like nine. A left st- forward. Or you could put him in a false nine type of situation where, because he's creative too. He can yeah. be creative on the ball. He has a ton of pace. So it'd be interesting to see where they go with that. Yeah, but we'll see how the mix because. You look at since Kane's injury is when Son really took off. Mm-hmm. So, well, it'll be interesting to see their chemistry. His once goal Kane against Dortmund was unbelievable. Yeah, oh, that was a really nice goal. <laughs> and the fact they were able to dominate on the road without their two best players, arguably, is unbelievable. But that'll wrap it up from us at FUVFC. Kept it a little shorter than we're used to today, only at thirty-five minutes, which is pretty remarkable. But Luke, been a pleasure. Definitely. Uh, We'll be rivals this weekend. We're always rivals, I guess, so to yeah. speak, when it comes to this. But should be a good one at the Theater of Dreams. FUVFC, we'll see you guys next week.